Welcome to Leveraged Lifestyle, the podcast that shares with you the mindset and skill set it takes for you to create your ideal leveraged lifestyle, whatever that might look like for you. Please welcome your host, entrepreneur, world record holder and globetrotter, Catherine Turner. So welcome to Leverage Lifestyle, and I have the pleasure of interviewing my good friend, uh, author, property investor, multiple business owner, and entrepreneur, Rob Stewart. So welcome, Rob Stewart, to the Leverage Lifestyle podcast. Absolute pleasure to be here, and um, been looking forward to this for a long time, actually, Catherine. Excellent. Yeah, I know we tried to get it in before Christmas, but we are now in this brand new year and decade, and um, I think it's a good time, actually, uh, to get people excited, fired up, get some know-how. Um, because we've got lots to talk about and um, I, I think we should jump straight in uh, obviously I know you very well we've kind of um, kind of crossed paths mainly through the property businesses we're in um, but a few other bits we've touched on so I'd just love you to introduce yourself to um, the listeners uh, and what you do currently and we'll kind of touch on what you've done in the past a bit later so kind of a quick intro and what you're up to now uh, would be great. Cool. So very quick intro then. So I spent 12 years in the Air Force um, after after I left school, um, left it very quickly and, and went into property. So so grew a property business in the Northwest focused on mainly investing, um, but then went into the training market about six years ago now um, and have been focusing on working with experts, increase their, their own authority um, within their, their niches. And the purpose of doing that is to attract better clients, charge more prices, in, in, uh, charge higher prices and increase your intrinsic value whilst getting really good results for people. So, so really, I spend half my time doing that and then half my time doing larger property developments now. Fantastic. We'll get, in kind of, we'll get into those uh, in more depth uh, in a moment. But for, for me, I always love to know kind of what got people into business, into what they do. Um, so obviously, you're, you're coming out there, the Air Force, um, did you start already in terms of investing, in terms of creating a business or an uh, additional income whilst you were still in the Air Force? Or was that something you kind of left and then you started afresh? What what kind of made you start? Yeah, I think it, it, it's kind of a really unglamorous story. Um, <laughs> it wasn't like this divine bolt of light that said, go into business. Um, I left the Air Force actually quite quickly because I ended up um, on, a, on a tour in South Africa, uh, which wasn't really what I wanted to do for three years. So I had to leave to get out of that. But my plan was always to really utilize that skill set, um, get my licenses for the commercial sector and go and get a job with you know, British Airways or Virgin or something like that. So mm. I, I had about um, a year to kill as I was leaving the Air Force. And I, I started investing in property then um, because by leaving, I was basically giving up my military pension, which is, you know, it's a good pension. Um, so I wanted to replace that and, and just started buying a couple of two up, two downs um, in the in the northwest. I had quite a lot of time on my hands. I was doing a lot of work, work by myself. And when I left the Air Force, I realized that I wasn't going to get a job in the airlines because it was the depths of the recession and nobody was um, nobody's recruiting. Oh, so wow. I kind of found myself with like a bit of a crisis. Like, what do I do now? Um, I can't get the job that I'm kind of qualified to do. I'd started buying property and thought, well, actually, let's just carry on doing this um and that that was the genesis of it and it's very much just evolved from there there mm. hasn't been that big grand plan or there wasn't at the beginning i don't know people talk about your purpose and your why and that grand plan it kind of evolved until i found that purpose and that you know really kind of came to terms with who i was and identity but that took i would say you know three or four years to get to that stage 
Mm-hmm. So did you you talk about, you know, just buying a couple of properties and things like that? I mean, for some people, even just buying their own home is a massive deal. Um, mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. how did you kind of make that happen? Or was there this, OK, I'm just going to replace my income. I know properties a good vehicle for that. Was there anyone who suggested it to you or was it just, yeah, I know property, you know, safe as house? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think like like many of us, right, we've kind of grown up uh, watching a lot of property programs, certainly during the noughties when the boom ha- was happening. It was like the homes under the hammer and Cerebini stuff and always wanted to get into it and I bought one and done some refurbs that I was living in when I was in the Air Force. But when I left, my, my father-in-law had a has a you know, sort of medium-sized portfolio in the northwest of, of single lets, and he he was one who said to me actually he said, look, um, it's this really cool thing you can go and buy a house, um, uh, you know, put a 25% deposit down, get a tenant in, and it's going to pretty much cover you know a couple of rent roll with a bit of profit. And I was like, oh, that sounds that sounds doable. <laughs> um, but at that stage, there was nothing nothing you know sort of creative or nothing about mm. recycling cash or, or anything like that. So. So I found my first couple. I was I remember because I was looking in South Africa on Rightmove because I was kind of pretty bored with not a lot to do out there. So I was sourcing properties from South Africa, which is a really important point actually because you can do this from wherever wherever you are. Um, it's you know, your podcast obviously called Leverage Leverage yeah. Lifestyle. It's a very leveraged way of doing things, right? Um, so I did that. Had a whole uh, short list of properties to come and see. Came back for a week to the UK for um, I think it was Christmas or something like that, and put in a few offers. Um, and then I actually borrowed some money. I didn't have any of my own funds. Um, so so borrowed some money before I knew what joint ventures were. You know, not a huge amount, but in the Northwest, we were, I was buying these things for 35 grand mm-hmm. um, in cash and uh, spending about five grand on the refurbs. So I did, off the top of my head, it was kind of two or three of them. And then six months later, I thought, okay, so that's all done. Time to refinance and pull the money out. And when I came to have them refinance, the bank um, or the valuer valued them at, 60 grand so i kind of added about 15 20 grand to each run and pretty much pulled out all the cash um as well as still having you know the tenants in i think the rents were about 450 pounds a a month with the mortgage is about 180 pounds a month on those sort of deals and i I kind of sat there and went wait a minute i've got all the cash back out and actually paid back um the the investor who put the money in paid it back all the cash out plus a few hundred pounds a month cash i was like there's something in this yeah um and kind of just started doing more of them really yeah. <laughs> with, with no particular plan fantastic fantastic I think I think that is like music to many people's ears of thinking okay how can I actually you know invest in something that's an asset um mm. I end up get you know I get a passive income or relatively passive income from obviously in this case the rent roll but then actually you yeah. end up pulling the investment money out again but still get the passive income you know that is pretty much everyone's dream investment model so uh, it's, you stumbled it's like on golden, something great golden grail yeah. um yeah and just kind of stumbled over it and and uh, th- there's a couple of things that people people worry about in property and you know and I'll, we'll talk about the authority stuff in a bit but number one is hey look i haven't got any money so i can't get into property which as mm. you and me know is you know rubbish because there's so many ways of doing it um and when you're working with investors and i give you money and six months later you give it back with a with a chunk of interest mm. they want to invest it again yeah <laughs> so the money came back and kind of went out and did it did it again um which is you know really how i started getting momentum in that portfolio so that, that's the one thing is, is the lack of money the other thing is people say hey look i can't find these deals right it's like where where do these things exist well they're all over the place yeah. um yeah you have to know where to look you have to have the right systems in place and back then it was a recession it was actually easy to find 
below market value properties. A lot of the stuff we were buying there were repossessions. So mm-hmm. the banks didn't particularly care. But there's so many ways of finding properties you can add value to to increase the value and then recycle. Mm. Um, in a hot market, you just have to look a little bit harder. But again, if you've got those leverage systems in place that filter and bring the deals to you, you're going to find them. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we've got our team on it at the moment, funnily enough. So, yeah, that's the that's the great thing, actually, having then it's not just you all the time for us. You know, we've built up over time and having a team of people now do that for us. So, which is uh, just takes it to a whole new level. Um, but that's cool. So it sounds like business is going to be very different now to when you started. So give us a bit of a picture of how the businesses, you know, or business and then businesses have now developed compared mm. to when you started you know what what did you have to learn what kind of process did you have to go through any education it sounds like your father-in-law was very much like your first mentor without really mentor. probably knowing it absolutely he absolutely was um, and without him I wouldn't have got started and you know as you know there's two types of mentor you're going to have your your unofficial mentors who are those people mm. in your life who, who, who help you and then you've got ones you pay for which are more tactical I guess when you need that specific skill set to, to upskill yourself and get to the next level so really started started growing um doing more of these things then doing bigger developments or bigger developments kind of get ahead of ourselves so started buying hmos houses multiple occupation and doing the same thing with those um and i did my first commercial conversion which is a tiny one it sounds very grand right but we we bought this (laughs) thing for 47 grand it was a 47 it was a um uh, photographic studio which we were turning into three flats got planning on and had a had a big issue with the builder and totally my fault we got all the contracts wrong i.e we had none um and (laughs) (laughs) which is you know when you're so excited when you get planning on your first commercial you're like i don't care about contracts we're just going to start building it out just get going Um, yeah let's just get going it's like we do want a handshake anyway he um he basically did a horrific job and did a runner and spent a lot of my money on um things he shouldn't have done cars holidays stuff like that Oh, okay. Uh, and doing the building. <laughs> uh, instead of actually doing the building, and there's, there's other things I won't go on to on the podcast. Um, <laughs> there's definitely white powder involved um, at one point, uh, yeah. which is not good. But so, so he did a runner, and um, it kind of put us underwater on that development. Now, one of the great things about property, if you're holding it, is the market's very forgiving in the long term. So we tied money up in that, couldn't refinance it all out, but it's still cash flows. And actually, ironically, cash flows more because the mortgage is less on it. Um, and uh, yeah, the market will save that at some point. But at that point, I thought I need to really learn how to do these things properly, you know, mm. with, with contracts and teams and all that sort of stuff. So I went and got some, some property education. And what that did was really teach me the effect is where we met. Um, yeah. Uh, in, in, in those rooms and it really taught me the importance of leverage and building that team out which is which is exactly what started to do um, so over the next I don't know six or seven seven years now um, I, I've never been one for a, a team of employed people so I don't really have a lot of people on payroll mostly mm-hmm. the, the people I work with are outsourcers or, or, or contractors in various guises yeah. and have very much kept the businesses um, structured like that to not have a load of overheads mm. um, so on the property side of things we we tend to do small amounts of larger deals um, last year we did a, a 13 flat and two retail unit development commercial conversion um, I'm sitting here at the literally right now in the middle of a four house sort of executive detached house 
new build development where we bought one of them off our own company and are living in there at the moment. Um, so, so that style of things on the property, because I find the bigger deals don't take a lot more effort to run or project manage than the smaller deals. So I'd rather do fewer, bigger deals, make you know larger chunks for less work than lots of smaller deals, if that makes sense. Yeah, so um, great so, leverage but, in that sense, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, right. And when, when you're doing the larger deals, it's so much easier to leverage because you can work with the main contractor, you can work with an architect, you can work with the QS, and none of them are on payroll. All of them are you know working to you on some form of contractual basis. And you're really just coordinating that team of people and making decisions when they need to be made, yeah. um, which, which almost kind of is a, you find yourself with all this time, and you think I should be doing more, <laughs> which um, I think is why on the other side, I have the training business um, because that gives me the opportunity to do more and, and, and teach people and run sort of programs and work with clients. And I enjoy that side of it um, to not just sit in a house by myself all day doing yeah. nothing. So <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you could probably appreciate that, right? With everything that you've created and leveraged and all those systems, it can get a bit lonely. Um, bit. You don't want to get you, bored now. <laughs> you, yeah, you don't get bored. There's a disconnect. Um, so, so the training side, um, I, I work with with property investors and I work with experts who are looking to um, increase their their own authority and set up their own systemized training businesses, coaching businesses, professional service businesses which they can then scale. And again, it's all about leverage um, for, for, the, for them as well. Fantastic. And you very helpfully uh, put that into uh, a book, which I have literally in my hot in my hands right now called Authority. Um, so it's an expert entrepreneur's guide to exploding your reach, impact and profit. So uh, I really want to know kind of the purpose behind you writing this and how do you think it's going to help people um, and we'll get into a bit more of the kind of um, specifics around the book as well but kind of your purpose behind it and how you really feel like it's going to to help people especially uh, listeners of Leverage Lifestyle. Yeah sure um, so I was speaking at an, um, an event on Monday and uh, I said any, I had the book with me I said has anybody read it and some said yes I've got a copy um, the testimonials are fantastic and I was like, that, that's lovely. You've actually read it. And they were like, no, we haven't read it. So I was a bit disappointed <laughs> about that. But as long as the testimonials are right, right that's, that's the good okay, thing. So yeah. um, <laughs> I set out to write a book a couple of years ago, actually, and I, I, I failed because um, I became distracted. So uh, I, I've wanted to write this book for a while and I've, I've wanted to put all of the frameworks that, that are kind of developed out over the last five years of, of doing this into one place that, you know, is, has not got a big barrier to entry. Um, somebody can have, they can have it in their house, they can get through it quickly and take out three or four key concepts to put into their business. And actually, the concepts that we talk about in the book are applicable really to any business, although I focus on the expert space. Mm -hmm. It works for any, you know, any um, professional service provider, really, to some extent, in in retail um, as as well, if people are, you know, selling on Amazon or or eBay or things like that. so, so that's why I wanted to do it. Um, I've got a, a purpose, which is to help 10,000 expert entrepreneurs have the skills to reach and help 10,000 people each, because it's one of these things that you can't really change the world by yourself. But if mm. you train up a lot of other people and give them the skill set, then together as a collective, you can change the world. Mm. So, so it's, it's one of the pieces in that, in that vision to help more people reach other people and influence positively. So, yeah. so that was really the reason for, for writing the book and, and getting it out. So the, obviously the aim with this then is to help those experts 
uh, reach more people. So you've got your own aim. And essentially, then it's that it's that ripple effect, isn't it? It's that uh, how people are going to use that to then affect and influence and impact the people that they're helping. So I love that. That's great. Um, I'm definitely well, like I said, I actually have got it in my hot little hand and I started to read um, some of it last night. And um, the trouble is testimonials. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Whenever I start reading any kind of business books or, you know, how to books, um, it gets me all fired up, which is not good just before Mm. trying to sleep. So um, I think I might have to pick this up in the morning or um, yeah, take take it to the gym or something like that and read it on the bike or, you know, work. I was going to say, lock yourself away where you can't, you can't start accessing the internet or stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. Um, But so it's quite interesting that you said you tried to write it before, but didn't. So how long did it take you to write this and kind of what was your method to getting it done this time? Mm-hmm. So um, my method, so the only, if, if I'm going to sit down and do something, I have to remove myself from everyday life mm-hmm. um, because like, like you, I've got two kids, uh, mine are five and six. Um, you know, you've got your property developments, you've got people trying to, you know, get into your life all the time. Right. And even best one in the world systems and leverage people still do it, especially the kids. Yeah. So if I'm working on a new project, I generally take myself away, um, if possible, to a time zone that is more than five hour, five or six hours um, different to the UK. Because mm-hmm. what that means is, I, I know this is like a re- it sounds like a really obvious thing, right? But if you're in a, I, I turn myself to, to California, if you're in California, which is eight hours away, then it means you're, you're working in a time zone that is completely out of kilter with the UK time zone. So yeah. therefore, nobody get hold of you when you're in your sort of work you know productive work hours yeah um after you over the jet lag obviously yeah <laughs> um, which is which is which is awesome because you can just sit down and focus on it so so I took myself off to California to write it I, I did a week in LA and a week in San Francisco and again even just the flight over um I probably had I don't know about 25 percent of it done by the time I landed um so so I, I think it took me probably about a week to do the first draft um, mm-hmm. out there and then another week, you know, sort of reviewing it and editing it before I came back. Um, but it's done, you know, two weeks out, you come back and you've got a book. Fantastic. Fantastic. And I think, um, well, there's some good lessons in that for me. Uh, I've just been asked to uh, co-author a book, funnily enough, talking about kids um, to to help specifically parents um, who are entrepreneurs and building businesses. Um, so that might be how I get it done, <laughs> actually reviewing yeah, myself. It, it's a, it can be a bit of a difficult sell to, mm. the, to the rest of the family. Yes. Married, you've got kids. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm just going off to California for two weeks. I hope that's all right. Bye-bye. Yeah. Um, so just, um, <laughs> you, you might have to wrap it up in something else. But yeah. It's, it's all good. good. That's <laughs> it. Well, you know, it's, for, for me, you know, why I'm really interested in books and why I think a lot of um, my listeners are, or at least, you know, they're interested in learning from books, but equally, I do believe most of us have some sort of book in us in terms of they want to get a message out there. And obviously a book is a great way. It then becomes an asset um, that, you know, is there that you talk about your book being called authority, but then it starts giving you authority, authority. in yeah. exactly in your space. And of course, there's, you know, great passive income that comes from that. And then it is all about having in some ways like a, a business card that's working really hard for mm. you out there any mm. time of the day. Yeah, totally. And the thing with the book is um, I, I don't care how deep we get into this digital age, right? And of course, you know, my my, biz, my training businesses are focused online. I, I don't do a lot of physical stuff. It's, it, it's very leveraged. Mm. But nothing will ever replace having that tangible thing in your hand. Mm. Um 
And when it comes through the, the letterbox, you've got that third fact. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in my office looking at, I've got a bookcase right, off, right, right beside me. I'm just looking at all the books and you see the author's names and, you know, it gets the mind space and it's there forever. Whereas when something's mm. digital and it's on a, on, you know, on the internet, you close your laptop and you can't see it anymore. And mm. it's outside out of mind. So I think people still like, they love the process of, of reading, reading a book, right? A physical book. Yeah. Um, not even, you know, Kindle again is a great way of leveraging it. But ultimately, people would still rather read an actual book if you didn't have to go on holiday and take 100 books with you, right? Which is why yeah. like a kid is good. But um, uh, in terms of an authority building piece, it's probably the best thing anybody can do. Yeah, no, that's great. So that kind of leads me quite nicely because I was going to ask for some of your top tips in terms mm-hmm. of building and creating authority in their niche. And I wanted to ask you if you felt that the tips would be different for someone new or just starting out in their kind of business or their niche compared to someone who's maybe been in it for a few years but maybe not getting the leads or the business that they want anymore um would your tips be different that's a great question so i'll try and answer that as succinctly as possible so (laughs) in (laughs) in the book i talk about frameworks and actually when i work with my clients i talk about frameworks rather than uh, specifics of course we then tailor it to specifics but the frameworks stay the same, but mm-hmm. the tactics will differ depending on who you are, what stage you're at, what your niche is, et cetera, et cetera. So there's no one size fits all solution. Yeah. Um, when, when somebody's getting going, uh, they're, they're going to have to spend a bit more time in the organic side of things. And I hate the word hustle. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it is like this, this badge of honor that a lot of people wear, but <laughs> really rolling up your sleeves and you've got to get out there and you've got to, you know, more organic posting, get to events, all that sort of stuff while you're getting going, unless you've got massive budgets, mm. which most people don't when they start with. Whereas when you're, when you're more experienced and you've got, you've built some audiences, you've got some cash flow, you can then really leverage it and start to work a lot smarter mm-hmm. rather than harder, but you have to get to that stage first. Um, yeah. And that's why you know I, you, you see global influencers and see like the Gary V crowd um, which is like hustle 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 and then you see the leverage crowd is like don't work it then in your life and personally I think it's a little bit binary in terms of that conversation that argument because mm. you kind of got you got to go you got to go through one to get to the other I, I still am yet to see anybody who just wakes up one day with no experience no track record no money and just creates a leverage business from scratch yeah um it doesn't happen you have to push through and earn the right to create that leverage is my personal view I might be totally wrong on that of course um, (laughs) but it's just from my experience and and what what I've seen now what you want to do is accelerate that push through process so it doesn't take long to get to it and of course that's that's the key to it is not sit there for for years and years in that in that hustle zone Mm. um, and leverage as soon as you can Um, but yeah so so I think the tactics would change um, and uh you know, I think what's what's most useful for for the listeners is to go through some of those frameworks, yeah, um, and and talk about what I think is the key thing to to building your authority. Um, and I, I think from my perception or my perspective of, of seeing people build their authority, they feel it's all about um, broadcasting as much as possible, right? It's like mm-hmm. let's get myself in front of in front of people as much as I can um and kind of go on broadcast mode which is fine and there is there is a lot of the stuff we talk about creates that but we need to do it in a much smarter smarter way Mm. so my sort of ethos with this is if you look at the 80 20 rule and i actually reverse it it's a chapter in the book called reversing pareto's principle um 20 of your market 
right now will be people who are looking looking to buy or you know they're ready to buy they've got a they've got a, a problem they're trying to solve and they're looking for a solution 80 yeah. percent of the market are unaware they're they're at a lower point in the awareness spectrum um, so they're not really looking for a solution but that 80 percent are the people that you should be focusing on when you're building your authority because all of your com- competitors are sitting in kind of fighting each other to hit the 20 percent who are out looking mm. for a solution if you focus on that 80% who don't know they've got a problem right now and you help them come to the uh, uh, up the awareness spectrum so they understand what their real problem is and can talk about pain, difference between pains and problems if you want, then when you're in front of them, you create that audience, you create that authority. When they're ready to buy, they're going to come and use you mm-hmm. um, rather than price shopping a you know, with, a, with a competitor. And, and to me, that's the key to audience building is be front of their mind before they're actually looking for a solution in the first place. Mm, okay, yeah, that's quite interesting. I, I, I started to see your 80-20 and I was like, oh, I, I'm a big fan of the kind of 80-20 principle anyway. Um, but that's, that's an interesting. It's like the reverse point. 80-20. Yeah. Yeah. Quite interesting. Um, and, and, it, and it works really well. But then, of course, we've got to understand how to do that, <laughs> you know, how to, how to find, find that, that 80. Because actually, if they're not looking for a solution, how do we actually find them? Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, this is, this is where the leverage really comes into it in the automation side. Because in, in the book, we talk about something called the AAA method, which is, which is the main framework I use. So it starts with awareness. So it's building awareness and building, uh, bringing people from um, feeling a pain to actually understand what the real problem is to then understanding mm-hmm. what your process that solves that problem is. Yeah. That's the first stage. Then we have to build our authority in front of these people. So there's no point them coming to this understanding they've got a problem only to go and use your competitor. Yes. Um, as a solution provider so we have to build that authority to build that trust and then when we've got that in place we need to automate the whole thing to scale because otherwise if we can't automate and leverage we'll get stuck in that sort of glass you know under that glass ceiling which is what a lot of I guess solopreneurs mm-hmm. um, side hustlers that sort of you know that sort of industry gets stuck in um, not able to, to grow past 50 60 70 thousand pound a year worth of worth of sales yeah um, so we've got a, a automate automate that process and by the way anybody i think can get to that level by turning hustle mode on and going organic and getting to networking events and you know blasting out organic content on social media right but to scale past that Mm. into the six figures and you know potentially to seven figures you then have to leverage it otherwise you're never going to be able to get past that glass ceiling yeah Um, so i always focus very much with, with with people i work with on on building that awareness first mm-hmm. um so creating awareness of the pain to problem bridge or bridging the pain to problem gap um building unique processes and then with the authority i've got a little formula for authority which is um dae to the power of c which is demonstration association education so the power of consistency mm-hmm. um so for that i and, and this is kind of getting into the tactics of it now we have to demonstrate who we are, what our values are, what our stand for, because we as people are quite tribal. Mm. And regardless of who you are, you're going to polarize and some people align with you, some won't. We want to find the people who align with us. Um, We need to associate both with our own results, with third party credibility, um, and we need to educate to not be, you know, seen as a salesperson. But when we do that with the power of consistency, that's where the that, that's where the authority really comes. Um, I don't know if you've read uh, Cialdini's book Persuasion. Mm-hmm, I have. He he's got he's got a concept in there where he talks about what is focal is causal. So 
we're at, we're actually going sort of biological here and how all of this works. Um, <laughs> but when 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 the brain focuses on something and sees it over and over and over again, it, it, it links it to causality. I e. thinks, hey, look, I'm seeing this over and over again. Therefore, this thing has got the ability to make things happen. Mm. Um, so so when the brain sees consistent message, it latches onto it and goes, right, this can this can make a change in my life which is why consistency is so important. So to get that consistency, we have to automate how we're putting out, putting out our message basically. Yeah, no, that's, that's really helpful. Uh, and, and it's so interesting, you just even mentioned that, and I love Cialdini's stuff. I've just read, um, or listened to, should I say, I do love an audio book, but I also love to some, like have <laughs> the physical book in my hand at the same time. Um, yeah. But uh, so for me, I uh, just read Win Bigly uh, by Scott Adams, and cool. he refers to Cialdini as uh, Godzilla in terms of his uh, persa- uh, persuasion and obviously persuasion tactics. And that's so yes. um, I, I do highly recommend uh, anyone who's uh, in business and everything looking at that. And I know uh, it's one of your um, uh, you refer to obviously uh, 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 Cialdini's um, book in mm-hmm. your in your book as well. Um, so yeah, I think uh, that's really really useful because when I do see things, I usually kind of use the power of three, um, and it usually ends up being a podcast episode because if I've seen something three times, <laughs> I'm like, I'm meant to talk about this, I'm meant to share this. Yeah. Um, it's obviously something that's out there, so it's interesting that 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 is. There you go. Brain slash Dom's bit right. Yeah. That's it exactly. Yeah. Um, so there we go. So um, I I do want to share with our listeners because obviously we're talking about your book Authority. You've shared some of the the framework um, and models that you obviously go into more depth with inside the book. Um, that there is an offer um, for the listeners that for everyone who buys a copy, you're going to get a seven day test drive of Rob's full authority accelerator program for free um no credit cards required at all um and i believe this is the same content that your sort of 6k one-to-one clients get as well is that right yeah it, it, it's, it's exactly the same it's the same login onto the same onto the same platform um and, and i, I, I want to tell people why i do this by the way because i think that's important um mm. to remove any sort of you know why are you doing this um, <laughs> there's, a, there's a real easy reason for it I, I genuinely believe that information, um, everybody should have information, right? Yeah. Um, and I want people to get their hands on the information. And look, if you if you get onto the platform and you spend a week on it and you get through everything and you, and you implement it all, that's absolutely awesome. Um, I know that some people want some hand-holding later on. And therefore, when I work with my clients, it's about helping them implement that information. Yes. Um, so that's why I'm always keen to get as much information out um, for free as possible. Fantastic. I love that. So uh, to get hold of the book, which obviously is fantastic anyway, and then a chance to test drive uh, Rob's course there is uh, all you need to do. And this will, of course, be in the show notes is robstuartglobal.com forward slash authority uh, dash book, isn't it? It's the, the, that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, we'll put it all in the um, in the show notes as well. And we'll uh, kind of share that again at the end of the episode as well. But if anyone wants to take that, that's robstuartglobal.com forward slash authority dash book. Um, but I want to get into a little more about you and um, kind of what's got you to this point as well, because I do think there's always great nuggets and information to be had in understanding someone else's journey um, as well. So are there any lessons that you've kind of learned um, <laughs> over your entrepreneurial journey that 
it, it's either, you know, don't do this or, you know, I really would do this. Maybe something that uh, a lesson or lessons that you would love to, to share with the audience. Yeah, you probably heard me have a knowing uh -huh, when you asked me that question about <laughs> journey and anything you'd learn. And um, like show me an entrepreneur that's, that's you know, been going for however many years and hasn't gone through those hard times. And yeah. I, I think those those lessons that you learn in the bad times, right, that's where that's where the magic really happens. Mm. Um, you know, that's that's the gold dust, because as humans, right, it doesn't matter what people tell us. We're going to say, no, 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 I know better until you do it. Mess it all up. And you're like, yeah, you know, all that stuff they said was right. But I've, I've been through it now. So I'm, I'm now going to implement. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've got a few, you know, sort of golden rules in business, uh, which I broke all of them um, <laughs> about three years ago. So just to give some context to this, because um, I think it's really easy also when I talk about authority, right? And when I work with my clients, it's all about, um, you know, positioning and, um, uh, you know, content and something with social media. On the one hand, it's the most powerful thing, platform in the world, right? The ability to reach everybody globally for free is just insane. Yeah. And yeah. You know, can you even imagine that 10, 15 years ago, you know, when, when we were younger? It just yeah, didn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's absolutely mental. But there is, a, there is a flip side and there's a darker side to it. And I think you're always going to have this. It's always going to be that yin and that yang. Um, and, and the dark side is uh, it creates this perception of, of perfectness or success. And mm. people only see the glossy side of life. And I think that can be very demotivating um, for many people. And they go, hey, look, my, my, my business isn't working like everybody else's is, or I'm not getting success I should do. Or why is everybody else better than me? The reality is they're not. Um, but that, that self-imposed um, almost doubt or, or, or whatever can be very harmful to people's progress yeah. or to people's well-being and I'm, I'm kind of really quite passionate about that which is why mm. I always try and do everything as authentically as I can and you know be as behind the scenes being open and, and, and transparent as I can um, in about uh, the end of 2015 so I'd, I'd grown my property business you know quite quickly quite well um, had some investor finance which grew it um, and everything was going really well and got it to, you know, a high amount of monthly cash flow. And actually, I could have stopped working then. Mm. But as we all do, we're like, no, that'd be boring. Let's do something else. Yeah. And um, the, the reality is over, over leveraged and tried to overexpand um, mm -hmm. or, you know, try to go too quickly. And all of a sudden in 2016, I had, I had multiple sites going on, multiple staff, um, I had a team of five in, in a marketing agency, I had a letting agency with four people on it, I had project manager on payroll, um, uh, which wasn't very good. Uh, we brought another two salespeople on for a different business model. But I think at the time we got to something like nine business models wow. um, with, you know, about sort of 15 staff or something like that um, mm -hmm. on, on the payroll. And and basically, I was I hadn't I was juggling all the balls, and they started to fall down a little bit. Um, mm. Some some investments went wrong, so I I trusted some other people uh, with some of my own money, and it, it kind of went wrong um, with some quite large sums. And mm. and I had to step back because I remember I, I had an office in Liverpool, and I was commuting about an hour and a half each way to get to this office in Liverpool. So I thought. <laughs> As a, with, with a marketing agency you've got to have these these amazing city center offices with glass you know glass walls and all yeah. of that sort of jazz which are ridiculously expensive and total waste of time yeah. so I started to get like sort of almost heart palpitations going going in and out because I was so knackered and, and mm. working so hard and, and the kids so stressed so as well yeah it's um I think 
when, when you're over overstretching yourself everything just becomes very hard I, I was going to say and one of the things obviously you know just shared the age of your children are now and of course you know being a dad you know the head of the family bringing in the income there's extra pressure there right yeah huge amounts huge amounts of pressure and, and what I found we did when we when we sort of went to scale and this is a very obvious thing right when you look at it in business terms but the margins we were running on suddenly compressed massively so I've been sort of operating as a one-man band with a few outsourcers on a, about an 80% profit margin in my training business. Mm. And then thought, let's grow it. And funny old thing, you grow it, you stack it with overheads, and your profit margins go from 80% to 5%, right? Yeah. Um, and that's without taking a salary. So it, it's such a different mindset to go from that sort of nice, steady state, high high profit margin income stream, kind of almost not reinvesting any of it and living off the living off the the, the dividends yes um, that growth mode stick it full of overheads and all of a sudden if you're not paying yourself a salary cash flow becomes tight so one of those big things is if you're going to be if you're going to be growing a business you need to make sure you're funded to grow the business um, mm. rather than just do it organically and bootstrap it and not pay yourself anything because when you've got a family and a mortgage and you know not not high but not low overheads um, mm. it can get quite stressful for yourself in that situation so I, I kind of took a step back and, and um, had an overview of everything and ended up closing down probably about six out of the eight or nine, eight or nine models that involved redundancies, mm. uh, involved buying out of leases. It was very expensive. It took a long time. Um, as I'm sure most people can appreciate, doing mm. deals or setting up businesses take about 30 seconds. Getting out <laughs> of them take years. <laughs> you know, yeah. You've got those liabilities and personal guarantees and all of that sort of stuff. Um, it's a, it can be a stressful process. So mm. after that, very much concentrate on, um, and here's kind of my golden rules. Number one, just keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Keep it simple. It's so tempting to go and set up a million businesses. And do you know what, Catherine? This, this is what people do. Entrepreneurs go, I see opportunity in everything. <laughs> so I'm going to go and set up this business, that business, that business, that business, right? Um, but here's what I've come to realize that actually that's a that's a get out clause. People say they see opportunity in everything. They don't. The reality is most people have a fear that they're not good enough to make a business model of success. And so therefore, they hedge their bets by starting multiple businesses and hoping one of them is going to work. Well, I certainly did it. That's mm. why I did it. Cause I was like, you know, I don't back myself to actually turn this into a proper business. I'm just going to go off and start another one start another and one. let the other one just either, you know, steady state or decay or whatever. But let's just start another one because I love setting stuff up. And I see opportunity in everything. No, I just didn't back myself to make one thing work. Mm. And when you study those people who have been super successful, right, you look at what they've done and they've taken one thing and they've absolutely dominated it and grown it into something amazing. Because I think, I think what we do is we, we watch things like Dragon's Den, right? Or we see Richard Branson. We go, look, Richard Branson's got loads of businesses. The <laughs> Dragons on Dragon's Den, they've got loads of businesses. Yes, but they've got loads of businesses because they focused on one, made it massive, sold it, and then diversified into private equity. Um, yeah. so, so business rule number one for me is keep it simple. I generally recommend you have no more than two strategies, one being a trading strategy for income and the other being a wealth building that generally I reinvest the trading income into wealth building, which is which is assets, which is property. Um, and and really just go super laser focused on that. And, and that's the biggest thing that kind of brought everything back. Love that. Yeah. 
yeah it's, it's really interesting because um we, <laughs> we've we've funnily enough pretty much gone through that it felt like last year which obviously was mm-hmm. a bit of a crazy time bearing in mind Milo our youngest is only one so <laughs> we went through <laughs> massive scale last year um and funnily enough just over the last few months we've done exactly what you've just said there it's it's, it's hilarious um <laughs> looked at what our kind of training our, our you know how we uh, trade t- um time so in terms of training um and going all in on the leveraged lifestyle um kind of brand and businesses that fall under that brand and um and then obviously yeah our wealth building in terms of uh, buying and developing properties so 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 interesting isn't it like we just we yeah, do it um yeah success leaves clues right i think yeah. and uh, <laughs> you know when, when you follow those breadcrumbs it, it generally always leads back to the same conclusion <laughs> which is pretty much what we've just been talking about but I, I, can, I can guarantee you that most people almost have to go through that process mm. to um uh, you know to, to understand it and then look some people go through the process and they will pop out the other side and have this massive business that is um you know that carries on growing and that that's awesome i think some some people have got to be you've got to want to do it so not everybody wants to grow a big business with loads yeah. of staff um, I, i've got no desire to have you know 100 people on payroll um some people you know are in a combination of right product at the right time and it just it just takes off and therefore your sales kind of carry you through the operational difficulties but i think yeah. the majority of people are just looking for that um i'm not going to call it lifestyle business i don't think that's the right term for it but mm. but a business that gives you the lifestyle you want you know, that's not yeah that's how I refer to it that's interesting yeah yeah they're, they're different right I think yes um and and then continue to grow but grow at a sustainable rate and yes. and hire at the right time you know and invest at the right time you'll go through some little spurts every now and again but don't destroy yourself by trying to overscale too quickly yeah <laughs> yeah which almost brings me to my second I guess golden rule um, and this is something that has developed, I guess, over the last um, year or so since uh, since my, my mother very sadly um, passed away uh, mm. end of 2018 very suddenly. And it very much reframed everything in, in, in my mind about yeah. what are we as human beings? Why are we here? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it made me think a lot about money, made me th- think about wealth, made me think about time yeah. uh, and the finite amount of time that we'll have and what we've got to do in that time. Um, and I think what a lot of entrepreneurs do when they get started is they end up sacrificing a lot of their health, well-being and time um, to, to grow their businesses. And I don't think it's necessary to. I think we, we put this upon ourselves to go, do you know what? The best way for me to grow this business and be successful is to work 20 hours a day, seven days a week for the next 10 years. And hopefully it'll work. I, I actually mm. don't agree with that. Mm. I think the right thing to do is have balance um to focus on yourself to focus not not in a selfish way but to make sure you are operating at your most effective and you know what the only way you can do that is by leveraging and leveraging the right things at the right time and i think that's Mm. a really important part of you know the human experience to do that so i do advise everybody to make time for themselves yeah uh, i couldn't agree more i've um, done a whole episode on kind of giving yourself some me time and things like that because i think Mm. like you say it is so easy as an entrepreneur to just put your all into um business and you know making money and all of that and I like you say there completely is it's got to be about balance um it's got to be about 
what lifestyle do you want to create for yourself and your family and your loved ones? Um, so, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more with you there, Rob. I couldn't agree more with you. Oh, perfect. Uh, that, that's, that's two top tips. And we, we've agreed on both of them. Perfect. I love <laughs> it. I love it. And, and actually, it leads me quite nicely then um, into what are you leveraging? What do you outsource within your businesses? And also if there's anything that you do um, sort of in the personal life, uh, personal side of things as well in terms of leveraging outsourcing? Yeah. So um, another another great question. So on the property side, um, I find it much easier to leverage mm-hmm. the property business, as I said earlier, especially with the larger scale developments, because when the margins are there, you can afford to bring a team that are professional. Um, you can pay them what, what they, they are. You know, they're meant to be paid um, and they do a great job for you because they're experienced and that experience is there in the, in the property world. So I leverage, um, I guess, really most stuff in the property business. So, <laughs> so generally the sites that we buy um are brought by other people now that's not a particular system that's just network actually i think i guess your network is a is a leverage system isn't it yeah Uh, exactly yeah um, the people you know the network you you have yeah exactly so when you're out and by the way this is why it's so important building authority because if you want people to bring you opportunity right Mm. they've got to number one know you're there and number two trust you um that you're the right person to bring these opportunities to Mm. um so so the last few deals we've done have all been brought brought to me through through other people through third parties um in fact we just um uh, i'm just i just put an offer on on a block of flats in chester last week that again was brought to me by somebody in the network who was based in london but through his network he knew somebody who was selling this in chester so that's a very leveraged bit um i leverage all of the finances done through um either directly through lloyd's our bank or through broker so that's all leveraged and then mm-hmm. The build teams are using main contractors, so that's all leveraged. So pretty much the whole thing, yeah. the whole thing is leveraged, which is brilliant, um, fantastic. Now, the training side is slightly less leveraged because, of course, well, I I train, so I enjoy training, so I don't leverage out the training element of it. Yeah. However, um, my my ethos is I don't like teaching, teaching training two very different things. I don't like teaching, so mm-hmm. I use leverage systems to deliver the training to my clients, and then mm-hmm. I work them on a coaching capacity to actually yeah. implement the trainings if that makes sense yes um so that's very leveraged we do uh, pretty much all of our lead generation business development through paid for paid for mechanisms mm-hmm. um mostly facebook if i'm honest so that's all very leveraged um, that just ticks away we've got all the back-end systems that do all the ascension are very leveraged and i've got a salesperson that's all, also leveraged so there there is the correct team built there to to do that and then for graphics i outsource it so again Pretty much everything's <laughs> leveraged. Um, the only thing, the only thing I don't leverage is my content because I think it's important to put my content out that comes from me, so it's authentic yes. rather than, you know, um, bring in somebody who's a content creator. Yes, definitely. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And I think that um, it always shows, you know, if someone has started bringing content from someone else, or it's like you can hear the voice is different, or it's not yes. consistent. So, yeah, I think that's great. And then um, in terms of kind of running your household and things like that, obviously I've mm-hmm. just moved into this brand new house, which is <laughs> it, it, it's so funny. I, I have this, um, this dream, so I, I'm, I'm going to have to talk to you probably more about this uh, uh, offline as such. But um, yeah, uh, I always think about having a, a piece of land and using, you know, using that to build houses and, and mm-hmm. you know, create some income, but one of them become our family home. Um, yes. So yeah, that's uh, it's, 
quite interesting. So if, if you if you are going to do that, and just if anybody's listening and wants to do that, mm. um, that there are there are some really key things you need to know about the process because if you're if you're developing it out as a developer in a in an SPV special purpose vehicle, yeah, um, which which we do. So limited companies SPV set up for this site, develop it out as it's my own house i've got to buy it off the off the spv um so that of course that leads to a whole load of issues um in terms of how you have to deal with it because you are a connected party Mm. um so um basically i mean in a nutshell there are various things you've got to box tick you've got to make sure you're going to be able to buy it at market value because one of the reasons that i want to do is to be able to buy it you know a discount because it's Build, you know, buy the cost basically, but you can't do that because you have to buy it at market value um, <laughs> if you're a connected party. Um, so uh, there's definitely some things that's worth having a chat about to make sure it's structured correctly to make it as mm. easy as possible to to, to do that because um, it caused me a few sleepless nights trying to trying to tick all the boxes and um, make make that happen. We got we got there in the end. Yeah, no, that's, 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 that's good to know. For me, it's great leverage when you can, you know, someone in your network and someone you know is doing something that either you want to do and, you you know, you can yes. find out all the, the pitfalls or, you know, the, the ways around to do it more effectively. Well, that, I mean, and and that's, that, that's the whole point of, um, okay, I guess, the training is just you learn from other people's experiences and bypass some of those, you know, some of those issues that, that can crop up or at least know about them and, and be there for, to be prepared about them now. You asked the question about what we do to leverage in our house. Um, so, so we, to be honest, we don't leverage that much. We have a cleaner because um, mm-hmm. that's definitely not something that, that anybody particularly enjoys doing in the house. No. <laughs> um, I'll say now, uh, Teddy, my eldest, who's six, has developed this weird obsession with hoovers. So, so what we try and do is get him playing with the hoover where the carpet needs hoovering and just leave him. Um, Fantastic. For, for, for a few hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, I, uh... what, what he generally does is hoover the same spot. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got to like put it on the right spot. Got it. We've got to keep moving him. Otherwise, he just kind of goes through and creates holes in the carpet, which oh. isn't really uh, the, the plan. <laughs> oh, well, the kids ended up with oh, a um, little wooden cleaning set uh, for Christmas as well. And they've just loved like just sweeping around now. But again, it's, it's you know, they're two, they're two and one. So there's there's no real kind of strategy to it. It's just um, <laughs> so, yeah, need to kind of teach them. there's the dirt pick that bit up but yeah (laughs) yeah I'm I'm just wondering what age they um they're going to get bored of all that sort of stuff and then yeah it's like no I'm not getting out of my bedroom (laughs) so probably a few years yeah um so we we, we leverage that um I I I leverage sort of gardening stuff I'm not particular particularly strong gardener if I'm honest um I haven't got particularly green fingers (laughs) so I think that'll be maybe 20 years down the line of getting to gardening um we do all of our own cooking and things like that because I, I quite, quite enjoy that actually, um, uh, get, getting in the kitchen. Um, but yeah, definitely definitely cleaning and those menial things you don't enjoy, get, get outsourced. Get outsourced, exactly. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big advocate for that. Um, so I don't know if one of the things we've just talked about might be uh, the answer to this question, but uh, I wanted to ask what has been your proudest moment in business so far and why? Oh, blimey, that's a great question. Um, I, I, I have to be honest. Um, I'm I'm proud of the book. Um, mm-hmm. I know it's only just come out and we've spoken about it, so it's an obvious thing to say. <laughs> but um, uh, I've got to be honest, when, when we got it out and um, when we launched it, I was advised by the publisher because, you know, of course, one of the things that people like to do when they launch a book is, is get a promotion on on day one, get it to an Amazon bestseller. That's another good authority piece. Um, and I was advised to to launch it at a uh, like a 99p Kindle discount, which is a fairly familiar path for many. 
So, you know, you sell as many as you can. And I, I didn't want to do that. Um, I was quite, I, I thought, I don't want to devalue it, basically. Mm. I don't want to devalue the content that's in there because there is there is some massively powerful content in there. And I didn't want to sell it 99p. So I did a full price launch with the paper copy only, the Kindle, even though it was available, we didn't we didn't promote it at all. Mm. Um, and, and we still managed to get it to the bestseller in category, which was, which was a, a category quite a tough one sort of e-commerce sales and marketing so we're up mm. against you know people like Gary Vee and some some big names are in that category um and you know it wasn't there for long it was only there for a few hours but we did, we did get it we did get it to the top um top of the category so you know I was I was, I was quite proud of that to be honest nice, um, guys. it's fantastic I saw I think it was Gary Vee crushing it was behind it so and that's a huge book so it's it fantastic was, but between me and you and um, I'm kind of whispering here very cognizant of every other <laughs> listener um it was it was his follow-up to crushing it so it wasn't actually the main crushing it it was he, he's launched a new one which i think is a follow-up with case studies um uh, or something yeah. like that but I, actually i think that makes it even even more because it was a new book there are probably more people buying it. it's crushing exactly. it's been out for a while but anyway it. don't don't, don't, under, don't undersell yourself don't undersell yourself <laughs> <laughs> so i think that that was very proud on the selfish selfish moment you know it's, mm. it's nice to do that on, on on the other side, I I was pr- I'm proud not as a specific achievement, but what we do with our property business, um, we've got a very social aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the units that we um, that we develop out and hold in our investment portfolio, we work with local council to basically lease them out to local council to mm-hmm. to give a higher quality of accommodation to the lower tenant demographic so it's almost the councils use the latest block we did which is 13 flats we just leased it to them they use it as emergency housing um and you know it's, it's great for us because we just signed all the flats over on a you know fully repairing and insuring lease for seven years so that's it's kind of guaranteed but I'm, I'm quite proud of the fact that we provide that in the local area i think it's important mm-hmm. and with with business, you know, people talk about giving back, you know, they talk about giving to charity or, 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 or whatever. I think, I think the future, and I think, you know, I was, I was thinking about this quite a lot in the election um, end of last year, because, you know, there was massive polarization in the election. You've got, everybody thinks the Tories are, you know, uh, you know, on, not entrepreneurs, the wrong word, but capitalist money grabbing, horrible people. Whereas, you know, the, the other side, are, you know, communists, lefties, whatever. Well, actually <laughs> the, the solution sits in the middle and i think business mm. has got a massive role to play in helping helping others in the country and I, I i almost sit in the middle there and go as a as an entrepreneur i want to be creating a profit margin but also giving back to the yeah. local community and in property we can do that because we can create these units we can create a much higher um standard of living for people who otherwise would literally be on the streets i know when mm. when they first put it there's somebody who's been living in a tent by a river for the last year um and and we can do that at the same time as making a profit margin and i think that is a fantastic thing to be able to do and it's actually the future of where or or more businesses should be doing that and giving back in a corporate social responsibility style Mm. um but not in a box ticking exercise because they actually want to do it they've got a product that helps people so so i'm quite proud of that aspect of what we do no that's brilliant and uh uh, again I feel like I'm just saying this you know constantly but I, I completely agree on that basis I think business should be a force for good um, like you say it, it doesn't have to get embroiled in all the politics of it all it's like it's okay to make a profit 
and yes. and equally do something good that helps people and absolutely yeah I, I i completely agree so um i I've, I've really enjoyed this so far i i so i think there's probably so much more we could cover but i feel like it could be uh, another whole podcast worth so what i want to <laughs> what i want to go into <laughs> with you oh yeah I, th- I think we should for that for sure we'll uh, we'll do a follow-up and everything like that as well um but i want to go into um some quick fire with you because uh <clears throat> and i I usually end with this, but I actually want to start with this because we've we've talked this word so many times and it is the name of the podcast. So what does a leveraged lifestyle mean to you? I think it means choice. Um, Gives you the choice to do what you want to do on your terms. Love it. Really succinct. Perfect. Good for quickfire. <laughs> um, you said quickfire. I was, I, was, I was taking you literally to the quickfire. <laughs> amazing. Yeah, I, I, I can I'm tell a military the, man. I do what I, I, well, I was about to say, I can tell the military background because I think you're the only one ever stuck to this quickfire. Quickfire. Love it. Um, number one, uh, another one, sorry, there is who or what inspires you? I want to leave the world a better place. Um, and that's not a particular person that inspires me, but it's a concept that inspires me concept like that okay cool best advice you've you've received on your journey or you know could have been even before your entrepreneurial days but best advice you've kind of stuck with you given to me by um by my dear mum on the day I was dropped off at boarding school crying um was always be yourself and I've stuck to that ever since brilliant love that and any bad advice you've received that you just think no (laughs) it's like (laughs) This is a quick fire round, right? Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. <laughs> uh, any bad, yeah, I mean, there's loads of bad advice. Um, uh, I think just generally anything that deviates from the um, keep it simple um, and focus on one thing is bad advice. <laughs> Got it. Oh, love it. And this, this would be quite interesting where you go with this. Uh, um, if you had a magic wand and you could solve just one problem and only one, problem in the world what would you solve and why i would remove all barriers to education for everybody in the world so that um everybody has the ability to learn and implement and and actually make the world a better place as a as a human species because i think if you do that then anything is possible yeah beautiful i love that and why i asked that question i know it might not always seem tied into uh leverage lifestyle business and everything we've been talking about but i do genuine genuinely believe that for many people a nine to five isn't going to be the thing that satisfies them it's going to be you know being an entrepreneur being a business person going after something a bit different and I feel like if you can make that if you can leverage it and you can scale it and you are up to bigger things in the world then you're going to be solving these bigger problems in the world so I always like to know what it would be that people would solve so love that yeah yeah education yeah definitely yeah no, that's, that's that's fantastic. So I want to know uh, what is next for you uh, in terms of business? Uh, you know, you've talked about keeping it simple. Is there anything that's kind of on the horizon for you? Yeah. So you, you've probably seen I've recently pivoted back into the, the property education space. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the reason I've done that is I think we're in a really interesting time in the property in the property space. Um, there's a lot of regulation or a lot of targeting of landlords um, that's happened over the last couple of years. We've now had Brexit tick, election tick. We've got a little bit of stability going forward. And I, and I think I think it's going to produce opportunity. So I think for those who are ready to um, uh, to take that, 
um, there's going to be some fantastic opportunities over the next five years, um, especially with maybe some older portfolio landlords moving moving out of the market. Um, so I wanted to get back into it for that reason. And, and also that I, for me, I've, I've, I've done property training. I've done um, expert training. I kind of wanted to combine them together mm-hmm. into more of a how do you actually create wealth properly how do you create a lifestyle properly that you want to lead and rather than just one piece of the puzzle it's kind of knitting it all together into helping people have that step-by-step process of how do you in your own unique circumstances what's the best route for you to achieve that Um, because there's lots of small pieces of the puzzle but what I've really seen over six years of doing this is a lot of people struggle to fit those pieces of the puzzle together and therefore end up doing the wrong thing at the wrong time for them as a individual person. Not that what they're doing is wrong. You know, the strategies could work really well, but just for them as an individual, what is the right route to achieve that? So o- over the next few years, that's really where my my focus and passion is, is, is helping people knit it all together. Yeah, no, that sounds great. Uh, very interested to uh, to see more as that unfolds. So uh, I'll be keeping an eye on that personally as well, Rob. So that's brilliant. <laughs> Uh, and I, I always like to finish off with in case people want to find out more about you and what you do and obviously the book and all of that where should people head to website social media that sort of thing yeah so so website is um robstuartglobal.com um which hopefully should be fairly in, uh, easy to remember I'm, I'm assuming you're going to put on show notes aren't you um yeah, yeah. Count on the links um so social media i i, I was going to sort of in my page but I'd rather point people towards the the group I set up last month which is my assets for freedom group and it's I've kind of designed it to be it's a free group it's application so it's not just an open open forum and it's very much um, I'm treating it like a mastermind for doing exactly what I just said which is helping people um, tie everything together from the ground up so focusing on on performance how to get the best out yourself how to develop cash flow first how to then start creating wealth and then finally how to diversify and start creating capital events in your life so it's um assets of freedom on facebook i'm sure you can probably search it and it's just facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash assets for freedom so please do um, do apply to join us in that um, in that facebook group Great. I will make sure I'm part of that if I'm not already then, Rob, as well. Uh, Amazing. See, see all the listeners in there. Um, no, it's brilliant. I, I, I love building communities as well. I think, you know, you can have a better dialogue and um, better engagement as well. That's why we have the Leverage Lifestyle group on Facebook as well. So, um, but I, I, I believe that groups are just a great place to come and hang out. Yeah. And actually, like you say, it can be lonely at times being an entrepreneur and, <laughs> and doing what you do. So even it is just virtually kind of hanging out with people that, get what you do and uh, understand that and can you know help you along right. the way as well it's great so you've got to go out and make make your own friends right that's, that's, that's <laughs> why we create these groups <laughs> indeed, yeah indeed I, I i feel like i'm really good at kind of getting my kids to make new friends now but yeah i'm like oh yeah i should actually go out and have some social life myself at some time <laughs> but yeah i'll just hang out on it's fine uh, but no it's been really good chatting with you rob uh, as i say you know we've We've known each other for quite a few years now. It's um, it's it's great to kind of hear what you're up to. Um, it's fantastic uh, sharing your knowledge with uh, the listeners, and I think um, there's some great great uh, tips and information that uh, they can action there. So um, thank you very much for your time. It's been a, a pleasure. I've really enjoyed. It. It's been awesome. Look forward to uh, hopefully doing it again sometime, Catherine.
yeah let's uh we'll, we'll do a part two at some point definitely for sure so um yeah thanks again rob and um as i always say uh, i believe there is no better time than now to start creating your leveraged lifestyle <laughs>